Daniel, and welcome back to another episode of Be The Vessel Podcast. I call myself an intuitive psychologist, and I interview those called to the healing arts with various ways of knowing, serving, and channeling the most powerful medicine for our ultimate return to wholeness. Shelby Renee Giles is a storyteller, well-being champion, strategist, and founder on a big mission to shift culture around spiritual well-being. While spending nearly two decades advising clients on how to leverage the power of stories, media, and other communications modalities to create sustainable social impact, her passion and curiosity simultaneously grew for exploring what it truly means to be well. That curiosity led to life-shifting trainings and experiences and ultimately catalyzed her next big career and life calling as founder of Worthy Well, where she's working to normalize our spiritual experiences in the physical realm, primarily through storytelling, and in the process, help us all become more conscious participants in our spiritual journeys. Check out Worthy Well's first storytelling offering, the My Spiritual Friends podcast, on all podcast platforms. Please enjoy this episode with Shelby as we explore dancing with fear and allowing it to awaken us into our highest vision. May this episode be a medicine, a gift, and an invitation to awaken through fear. Hi, Shelby. Thanks so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, me too. So we first met at uh, at a breathwork workshop of mm-hmm. a mutual friend, which was really what ended up through, you know, a series of events guiding me to, to live close by mm-hmm. in the area outside LA. And I believe we first connected about how we both sort of uprooted our lives in a way uh, to be here and for uh, a kind of calling, feeling guided, even using that language, you know, using that language with my parents, with my friends, it it's strange for everyone involved. It's strange for me too, but it's the only way I could really honor what I felt was happening, which is that I was being led to take uh, what looked like uh, some pretty significant risks and to come out here for something that I didn't totally understand, but was unfolding. And I didn't really see another way forward. And I sense that you have a similar path and that it's been unfolding in a uh, a similarly uh, surrender experiment kind of way. So would you mind speaking a bit to that and 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 um, really in, in any way that that you'd like? Yeah, I'm so glad we met, you know, that day at the training and we, you know, definitely shared this, these similarities and our journey, making our way to LA. And for me, yeah, it's been, I would describe it very similarly. It actually, I just felt called, you know, to move here. Um, And when people ask me, you know, I'm sure you get this question a lot too. What made you move to LA? Like what brought you to LA? Yeah. And my answer is always, I just felt called to move here. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough to answer that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I get, I'm, you know, surprisingly, pleasantly surprised that I get nods of, uh, like they get it, you know? So that's actually been a beautiful uh, example of how I've been trying to be intentional about giving the most honest answer to the the seemingly most insignificant questions, you know? Uh, I just felt called here. And so, yeah, that the journey has been really interesting. And for me, it started back in January when um, I decided to put my house on the market. And so that was a huge defining moment for me because I loved my home and I'm a cancer, have like three prominent cancer placements and um, home is really important to me. And yeah, I, I said a prayer Uh, around the time that I put it on the market, that the next person who would own it would love it as much as I did and that they would be, you know, good people and, you know, all the things, take good care of it. And uh, I just, 
you know, spirit led me to actually meet the new owner before she put her offer in. She was actually the only um, person that I met uh, of all of the people who, who viewed my home. And I remember it was just kind of serendipitous. Like we, mm-hmm. uh, her realtor was early. I was meditating. I get this knock on the door um, and they're there. And as I was leaving, I was like, that's the new owner. I'm meeting her because she's the new owner. And so she was the new owner. And on top of that, she was from L.A. Um, She had lived in L.A. for over 20 years. And, you know, we talked about that. So it was kind of, you know, just very poetic, you know. And so once that happened, uh, it was all, you know, full speed ahead. This is happening, you know. (laughs) But the thing that has struck me the most um, in making this transition is that like in the transition itself, um, the easiest part was actually doing all the things, you know, putting my house on the market, um, planning for the move, uh, you know, doing all the things. Once I got here um, and had been here for a couple of months, that's when, you know, I guess kind of when the wave kind of settled into calmer, calmer waters, mm-hmm. that's when I kind of started looking around like, okay, I'm here. Now what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like the exact same experience. You know? Yeah. I'm here. Now what? And, yeah. you know, I, I got to this place, I want to say around June where I felt called to rest and just kind of ground myself. And as someone who had lived in the same state, even though I lived in very different pockets of Virginia, I lived in Virginia my entire life um, before moving to LA. And so even the concept of grounding, you know, in a new home on a new coast was foreign to me. And it required a much deeper level of trust um, than I had previously um, been called to exercise, you know, yeah. uh, in previous stages of, of my journey. And I'm still in that place. I'm still in that place um, sure. of, you know, being called to deep trust um, in the unknown, you know, um, uprooted, replanted, waiting for, not passively waiting, but waiting, you know, uh, to be guided, you know, waiting for that, that guidance. And so I've been, you know, in this, in this space of just, uh, one way to put it is, um, this affirmation that I've been repeating to myself lately is, um, I am resting in the loving hands of the divine. And it just reminds me that, um, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be you know? Yes. And, um, I feel like we're on parallel journeys because it resonates so much. Like it coming out here was so messy and was very scary for me, but there was something to do. Like I had to drive every day Mm -hmm. and I had all this stuff in my car. I had to figure out where I was going to sleep. Like it wasn't comfortable, but there were objectives. And when I got here, I was like, what? the fuck am I supposed to do now is I just thought my life would be waiting for me here and you know and my path has just become clear and you know it has been amazing in a lot of ways meeting people like you and just starting to align with a community of people that really lights me up but the spaces in between have been so tricky I think for me it pulls on my own sort of conditioned beliefs of like, am I doing enough? Am I just being lazy? Should I be doing, should I be reaching out more? And, um, you know, like you said, repeating that phrase, like in the loving hands of the divine, like I, you know, I use, try to use all the tools at my disposal to remind myself, um, you know, I have like sort of a team of healers on hand that I'll reach out to be like, just pull cards for me and remind me that (laughs) things are going well, because Mm -hmm. it's, hard to sit in that space and and trust sort of beyond mm-hmm. the current circumstances. Yes. Yeah. And it's so important to honor that space because it does take courage, you know, to 
continue to trust, you know, continue to wait, you know, patiently, you know, in this space of, of the unknown. And I want people to not feel like they are failing or not doing it right, you know, not doing the spiritual yeah. journey right. If it doesn't yeah. feel like this expansive wave, you know, all the time, it doesn't. <laughs> it certainly does not. It doesn't. It, it certainly does not. Um, it's so hard to teach surrender and like not even teach it to other people, but like continuously teach it to myself. Like, mm-hmm. because... Because there's just parts of us that want to keep resisting, want to keep resisting. Mm-hmm. And and it feels like when we're outside, when we're in flow, when we're in that higher frequency and perspective, it's like, oh, yeah, I just had to like go through that time. But during the time, it's, it's resistance. It's like, I just don't like how this feels and I don't yeah. know what I can do about it. Yeah. And I think the, the beautiful thing about that is I think um, in these cycles of, you know, getting the vision, following the vision, and then reaching the state of stillness and, you know, feeling called to surrender. I think it's also, um, for me, it's, it is cyclical. And, um, Usually when I have to remind myself to surrender, it's because I'm pushing, like you said, there's tension, you know, I'm pushing up against something, I'm resisting something. And usually that tension is um, on the cusp of a new level of expansion, you know, a new level of experiencing who I am closer to me being more conscious of my you know, proximity to God. So it's interesting to to think about in that way. And I'm trying to reframe my <laughs> relationship with surrender, you know, too. So it's, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. You feel that, and it feels like you were alluding to this, like as the invitation or the ask to surrender grows stronger or more challenging, or there's simply more to let go over more to open up to it is because it is inviting us to something even more expensive so it kind of goes hand in hand for like for mm-hmm. like the more the, the 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 scarier the leap appears to be the greater the reward is which which makes sense seems obvious and yet you know easier said than done yeah i love thinking of it that way because it does at least intellectually, you know, make us feel better about the fear and the resistance. Um, And I heard someone say something very similar um, to what you just shared, which is the feeling of fear is in direct proportion to the feeling of expansion on the other side of the fear. And again, it takes a lot of practice to embody that understanding. It takes a lot of practice to embody that And I think that has been a practice for me lately is I've almost been kind of like, I'll have a thought and I'm like, okay, yes, I know this is true, but am I actually embodying this? Like, am I actually living this? Um, And a big one for me that has been, um, you know, that was actually so fun to embody, you know, during all of the transition, but then in the stillness, not as easy is um the concept of all things possible yeah um and i know i know for a fact that everything is possible i know for a fact Mm. embodying that living my actions being guided as if everything is possible completely different story (laughs) you know it it ebbs and flows yeah i I think about like you know when i and i'm sure for you like when i read books about people's incredible healing stories, healing. I'm like, yes, of course, of course, all things are possible. And then when it's me, I'm like, ah, I mean, but, but is it though? Because in this moment, the fear, you know, the, the condition of fear and how it, how palpable it is, how it wires our nervous system in our brain, how like it actually pervades sort of how we are seeing that moment. It's 
I feel like my whole, this whole spiritual journey could be summed up in learning how to dance with that, how to yeah. not ha- learning how to see it for what it is and, and be it and live it and embody it, not, not, not avoid it, but just know that it's not my truth and know that it, it's actually here for, it is actually inviting us into the, it, mm-hmm. if it's showing up, it's a good thing in some ways, because it means we're going the right mm-hmm. direction, which is different than if we come across a tiger and the fear shows up to get us to run. Yeah. That's quite different <laughs> in this kind of experience. And yeah, yeah. I, I think I could sum up the whole journey with learning how to dance with fear. Yeah. I mean, that in so many ways is the journey you know, as we continue to ascend in this like, you know, cyclical way, I I love uh, journals and I always get my journals from this um, company that lets you like customize the cover. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just like customizing things in general. And um, <laughs> I always put my name on it, but then um, there's always a space for like, you know, a few words. And so there's a theme for each journal that I like put on the front and the latest one that I, um, that I purchased was follow the fear (laughs) (laughs) because it was so evident to me that that was the stage that I was in to follow the fear. Like, you know, having conversations with myself, like, all right, Shelby, like you have, uh, you've given yourself, the grace to wait until you felt comfortable doing certain things, but that's not where we are now. Like we're not in that space anymore. You, there are certain things you're going to have to do while you're scared. Yeah, And that is, um, that's the most expansive, you know, way to be and let the fear just teach you, let the fear be your signal that you're moving in the right direction. So it's been a huge theme in my life lately. And it's been a huge practice that I am better at on some days than others, you know, join the club, you know, and, and I, I resonate in the sense that before I took these leap, yeah, when I felt fear, uh, maybe it was leading up to a presentation or something. The hope was that I could just sort of close off for enough time to get safe. And to feel like, okay, things are calm enough for me to walk through. And But what I realized even then is you just go through it. You you dance with it. You allow it to be there because it's not the only way to forcibly, or at that time, for me, the only way to forcibly to make it go away was just to escape it in ways that were taking me out of whatever I needed to be in. And and now it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, and, and this is, I know it's, um, some Buddhist monk uh, would say this. Maybe it was Chogyam Trungpa or something to smile, to practice smiling at fear, to practice smiling at fear because that's the mm-hmm. yeah, that that's actually what we're allowing to open and invite us in to these. You know, it's within it if we're if if we can surrender to that underneath it because the fear itself is mm-hmm. an illusion. So it's underneath it that the possibilities exist and. I mean, I was literally just experiencing that sort of the challenges and stillness just today, and and you know going through this eclipse season, it mm-hmm. it's it bring it it's has brought back around. I think you described it as cyclical. I I definitely see that. Like the parts that we're growing through, they we keep growing through them almost like a spiral, and each time it reenacts, we get a little. Ideally, if we say yes to it, we we get a little more clarity, a little more conviction. Yeah. with it um and maybe that prepares us to take bigger leaps yes that's exactly it i often um when this when this theme of fear comes up i often talk about how i felt when i used to tell people that i was leaving my full-time job back in um january that conversation felt terrifying i knew that i was doing it you mm-hmm. know i knew that it was happening and it was imminent but talking about it, I'd noticed that it felt terrifying in my body. And I likened the feeling to um, when my best friend and I were in Mexico. I think this was back in like, I don't know, 2015, 2014. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, she's much more adventurous than I am. I'm actually afraid of heights, but not as much as I used to be. Mm -hmm. And um, 
she booked this zip lining excursion, you know, where we zip line through the jungle where we were in Mexico. And I was terrified. We mm. climbed up this rickety ladder. And once we were at the top, you know, I remember standing on the edge and I told the guy, I was just like, you know what? I changed my mind. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he was like, well, you can go down this way on the zip line or you can go back down the little, you know, rickety ladder. Now everybody knows going up is way easier because you don't have to see, you know, where you right. came from. So, right. so anyway, I, needless to say, I took the leap, but the feeling I had in my body before I let my feet leave that platform, oh my gosh, it, there was just such a rush of fear. Um, but then when I finally jumped, there was just this exhilaration. So it kind of makes me wonder, you know, what if I, I think the decision came in divine time um, and, you know, I left in divine time, but what if I left while I was afraid? What would have been, what, what would the feeling have been on the other side of that? Cause when I finally left, it was, um, it was like nine to nine or 10 months later. Mm. And it was, uh, you know, as Jan- January is a starting point, but nine to 10 months later in October of last year. And I felt so clear. It was just the easiest decision <laughs> that I have, you know, one of the easiest decisions. And each of the conversations that I had on my way out were so simple and just like, there was no charge around them, you know, but I just, yeah, I waited until I felt clear and good and, you know, ready. And yeah, I just got to this place where I was just like, all right, that was nice, <laughs> but that's not where we are anymore. Mm. You know, you're being called to do, do things in fear. So. Yeah. And I, you know, I definitely left in, in messiness and it continued to be messy. And, you know, though there could be, there could be a very strong argument to be made that I could have waited a little longer for, for, for more clarity before just jumping off the edge. But but yeah, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm guessing it's it's meant to be in some ways. We're not really meant to know in that way. We're not meant to know in like thinking. Um, we yes. know in a different in a different sense. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm curious what what are the tools, if any, that have and continue to help you dance with fear and 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 trust? You mentioned the the affirmation and. Mm-hmm. that you use are there other tools that that's right you know including your own visions and sort of the messages you receive yeah i mean i would credit breathwork and energy healing as the most expansive tool that i've used ever since yeah. i did you know milana's training back in june of last year so when i when i got home from that training <laughs> so i i can be intense about my path. <laughs> and so I told myself, um, I was really inspired by, um, excuse me, Milana's story about how she committed to learning the practice by doing it on herself for uh, quite some time. And so um, knowing that I was moving through all of this change, you know, all of this change was coming, um, I decided to do the same. And I committed to a weekly breathwork and energy healing practice starting in uh, early August of last year and have continued that today. And I don't know the science or the, you know, the, we don't need to know why, but Mm. all I know is (laughs) this practice has just completely changed my nervous system. You know, it's completely changed how I relate to fear. It's changed my comfort level with um, like uncomfortable, like truth. It's changed my relationship with what security means to me. And I guess really, I mean, the common denominator in all of this is that it's changed. It's, It's expanded my consciousness around what's true, like capital T true, you know, and that is that I am a divine emanation of God. And that because of that, 
a lot of the things that I used to fear are not really significant, you know, in the way that I thought they were. For example, I, one of the things that I toyed, I toyed around with was, um, oh, maybe I'll stay till the end of the year at this job so I can get my bonus. That'll help because I'm about to, you know, go out on this path. And I didn't do that. I realized that that wasn't my um, source of security and what it wasn't my true source of security. And yeah, it just so many things, including my relationship with money, my relationship with the unknown, it just feels so different in my body. You know, my ability to hold it is so different. And so even when these new fears arise, they just don't feel the same. They're a lot lighter than they would have been previously because of that practice. It sounds like there's there's an undercurrent of faith that transcends the the small the lowercase t truth that mm-hmm. applies to like the personality because there are things yeah. that do impact and are relatively true for our sort of body mind and yet with that expansion of faith of but this is what i really am but this is what i really am that yeah. it just helps create a bit more grace for okay yeah so these things are happening to my person mm-hmm. um but if i can trust that that's just an experience my sort of child spirit is having that mm-hmm. that it can be okay you can find a way for it to be okay yeah exactly so would you be because i i mean i'm a seeker and i've explored various kinds of modalities uh various kinds of energy healing specifically but i'm always curious because mm-hmm. people definitely mean different things when they say that yeah, or use it. totally yeah. would you be able to share a little bit of what um milana's uh practice is or and what uh, what has been so impactful for you and in, in utilizing it yeah in my experience of um you know practicing it on myself and others is you know i don't i don't i don't want to speak for milana it's her sure. you know practice yeah. of course but the way i've experienced it is um you know her emphasis on loving awareness you know throughout the practice has been a huge huge piece of what opens you up to receive what you're what you're there to receive in in that moment and so yeah. you know thinking about the mechanics of it it's a combination of you know breath work and energy healing and so during it you're doing a three part breath inhale inhale exhale which i know you're comp- you know super familiar with as well and then during the breath work practice, you're receiving loving awareness to each of your chakras throughout it. Mm. And usually the practice begins with an intention. Um, and so if I'm facilitating, you know, with someone individually, we have a conversation about what's going on in their lives and arrive at an intention from there. And I check, you know, their energy centers, each chakra at the very beginning to see what needs the most attention And yeah, it almost always aligns with what they said they, you know, needed support around. And so it's been really beautiful to see, um, to see that not just, you know, with myself, but how it has, you know, been able to support, you know, so many people. But I think for me, the biggest piece has been the loving awareness, you know, the more loving awareness that's applied to you know, another's energy, the more receptive, you know, they are to whatever it is they need from, from the divine. And, and I think that that is uh, a powerful reminder that love is literally that powerful. And we can do that anytime we can be that loving awareness anytime. Yeah, it really does feel like all modalities really are about finding an entryway into opening up to receive what is there for us, but we so often resist or block out. Mm -hmm. And I really love to hear your description of the integration of the breath, which I am familiar with, but with the then intentional practice of coming to the chakra system and, and checking in on what may 
need some love and attention and what we may learn from uh, those opening. Uh, I'm actually, I actually kind of want to explore that for myself because I, I use breath for myself and with those I work with and I can see uh, blockages in the chakras, but, but not in the, um, in the more intensive kind of breath work I think you're speaking to, which mm-hmm. has been, has really opened things up for me as well. So um, yeah. yeah, that's, that is, it, it is, has been one of the most powerful entryways for me as well. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you're doing it for yourself, were you going that you were going that deep, you would go like, yeah. Yeah, it would be, you know, 45 minute sessions, I would, you know, create a playlist that felt, you know, aligned, um, usually without words, you know, Mm -hmm. but something that energetically just felt like it would be a, you know, a beautiful complement to the practice. And yeah, and I would set an intention, check my chakras at the very beginning, check them at the very end, and then journal, you know, about the experience you know, once it's done. And for me, it's also an opportunity to go into these, as I'm sure you're familiar with as well, very deep states of consciousness. And in those deep states of consciousness is where I oftentimes have some of the more future leaning Mm -hmm. visions, you know, some of which I, (laughs) I only say out loud to certain people (laughs) because they're just so like, I'll share one that's like not that <laughs> okay. Not that I was gonna ask big of a deal. Yeah. I'll, so I I've seen myself um, both, you know, in you know the energy practice and also um, in dreams, uh, like receiving an Emmy. And um, when I first saw that, I was just like, "That's interesting. I've never worked in film." never worked in film or tv but you're showing me you know receiving an emmy and it is a space that i am you know actually venturing into now and it wasn't until i got to la that because these visions happen you know prior to my move it wasn't until i got to la that i kind of started to see alignment with that vision i started to see very tangible alignment with that vision and i was just like okay we're doing it we're doing this. We're, we're going down this path, you know, to see where it leads. But those are the kinds of things that, that come up. And um, some of them have, you know, already taken place. Some of them um, are huge, scary visions that I am wading through, you know, currently, you know, in this space of trust. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for sharing. And I look forward to seeing you receive that Emmy. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so um, just to not to harp on this, but I'm, I'm really interested. It, so like for your ver, because I know that you also I think you also teach meditation, too, is is your version of meditation. Does it typically then always involve going to these places because it's so powerful? Or are there other kinds of meditative explorations that you use? Yeah, so. My daily practice is um, a somewhat more conventional meditation. And so the weekly practice is really like going deep, you know. Like yeah. I, so that's I, not something you're I doing leave every day. here. Yeah. That's not something I do every day. I do a little breath work every morning um, before mm-hmm. or like at the beginning of my meditation, but yeah. I don't do the, the deep practice um yeah and and just i'll just say like coming from the clinical world people throw around the word breath work and like yeah i do breath work you know like box breathing Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, it mm -hmm, It is mm -hmm. it is nothing at all like the psychedelic journey that there's something opens up and you go somewhere else and your body releases and i'm just sobbing and like (laughs) yeah it's different. It's quite different. It's different. And it's, and I think the, you alluded to this um, earlier, but uh, just the, the intentional practice of allowing yourself to have those releases, you know, sometimes you'll like scream, you know, like you said, cry hysterically. Like I can't just go to the grocery store and like suddenly scream, you know, I could, I could, but Let's not do that. You Might know? prove a little more comfortable <laughs> and maybe not the same results. <laughs> yeah. And even getting to that space of just 
allowing yourself to let go to that level, you know, let Be, yeah, just really because because I could scream, but it's really when it comes from that place where it is coming out. And mm -hmm. I just had it this weekend, which was one of the most powerful mm -hmm. experiences I've had. And I feel like it it um, it shows up in such a visceral and clear way. The idea of moving through resistances because yes. you I you feel the resistance of this is going to be embarrassing. I don't know how loud this is going to be. I don't even know what is supposed to come. And you just allow oh, you just say yes and so it's the most visceral ebb and flow of those resistance and fear and what opens up as a result yeah it's you know the physical manifestation of what it is we are being called to to move through or let go in our inner world so yeah i i really really um i'm so grateful for that practice but to answer, answer your question about meditation, um, I practice primordial sound meditation hmm. each morning and most evenings. I've been a little off on my evenings lately, but um, it's a mantra-based meditation um, that I learned through uh, the Chopra program. And that's, so, that's Deepak Chopra? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it is, uh, like I said, it's mantra-based. The mantra comes from one of 108 uh, vibration, vibrational sounds or uh, bijas, B-I-J-A. Um, mm -hmm. And those 108 sounds are uh, vibrations that the universe was making at different points when each of us came into the physical form. And so the same information you would use to um, look up your birth chart, you know, in astrology, um, you know, your date of birth, location, time, you use that same information to identify your vibration. And so, or your seed sound, I've also heard it called. Mm. And the thinking behind it is that because that was the, you know, vibration of the universe um, at the time that you came into the physical, if you then use that vibration in meditation, which is a mantra you can more easily connect with your inner world and again we don't need to know how this works or why it works but i started practicing this um, consistently last may in may of 2021 and it deepened my meditation practice immediately um and i've been practicing it ever since so yeah, that's, that's been really really interesting to experience and also beautiful. Yeah. I want to, I want to look into that primordial sound meditation. Mm -hmm. I want to find my seed. Yeah. Yeah. We seed can, sound. yeah, we can find it. <laughs> yeah. And so we'd like you, once you find your signature, you play that in meditation. So, so you actually uh, repeat it silently to yourself mm. during the meditation. And what happens is it, it really just becomes like the background it becomes kind of like the anchor, you know, as you know, for, for folks who have practiced like transcendental med meditation, TM and other forms of mantra meditation, you know, you might've had a similar experience, but yeah, you just repeat it to yourself silently and it just kind of, yeah, becomes your anchor to the moment. And I don't know if I, I don't even know it's so second nature to me now. As soon as I sit down to meditate, I start repeating it because it's become my anchor so much in that way. But but yeah, it's very similar to TM, but I think it's just that unique factor of having your your own, you know, vibration associated with, you know, your place in the world. Yeah, I love that because I talk a lot about discovering our signature frequency, mm -hmm. you know, through sort of channeling light and energy through vision and really also like in into the feelings you know how it feels to be in our signature frequency as a place of sort of discernment and like a compass mm -hmm. but i haven't actually attached it to like the actual vibration which would be would be a cool addition mm -hmm. to that sort of signature package of of who we are and how to how to align with that home yeah 
so is are the are these some of the tools that you use in your when you're working with others or is this just more of a personal practice so primordial sound meditation i share it with others but i primarily use it for myself yeah. yeah so i share it with others when um i feel called to i think it's a beautiful way to enter into a meditation practice or it's also really good for people who are looking to deepen their practice in a more, you know, sustainable way, mm-hmm. um, which was the case, you know, for me when I started um, doing it. But I'm, I'm, you know, trained in facilitating it as well. So I yes. do share it when it feels, you know, aligned. But yeah, it's, it's one of my, it's become one of my favorite practices uh, for sure. And so when you do show up with clients, are there things that you are definitely going to do or is it really an open book as to what, you know, because it sounds like you have a variety of tools and ways you can approach working with people. Do you, um, do you use some of the visions and messages you, you receive or, or yeah, are you really just showing up to see what what's needed or how to meet someone where they're at? Yeah, that's a good question. So usually I do facilitate one-on-one breathwork and energy healing sessions with folks. And uh, that looks like, you know, what I described earlier, like setting an intention, talking through, you know, what's coming up uh, to Mm -hmm. set that intention at the very beginning, you know, explaining the practice, getting into the practice and talking about it on the other side. I oftentimes, you know, get to do it with people who are experiencing it for the first time, which is one of my favorite experiences because it immediately, you know, expands people's consciousness around time and space and, you know, how we fit in in this bigger, you know, universe. Um, Folks oftentimes have visions or just come out of it with a feeling that they just can't quite explain. Sometimes I will, you know, close my eyes and feel into the practice with them to see what comes up visually for me. And that sometimes brings up, you know, the same thing that they share at the end. Yeah. Yeah. For example, um, uh, one individual um, I was facilitating with, uh, when I closed my eyes, I saw what I perceived as her highest self, um, holding two children. Um, and her husband was like standing beside her. And, um, when she came out of the practice, she shared that, you know, what came up for her was that her purpose was to be a mother. She's, she wasn't a mother yet. And so, you know, things like that happen where we're just, you know, energetically connected on that love frequency and able to really, you know, tap into to energy to to support people in that way too. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful integration of showing people the power of breath work and then you being there as this kind of spiritual guide, able to tune in and receive the messages alongside them and mm-hmm. and um sort of be able to integrate in a very in a very specific and focused way, uh, based on, you know, what they've received and and what you've received to help really provide uh, a kind of unique clarity to the experience rather than, you know, mm-hmm. maybe being in a collective group space where you just have kind of your own experience, which is even hard to keep track of at times because the, the places mm-hmm. you go to um, can be fairly intense. Yeah. Um, this gets to be um, a lot more guided and intentional, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Yeah. It's a really beautiful, it's just as, you know, beautiful for me to witness and, you know, f- during the facilitation as it is for the folks experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you have uh work with clients, you have your podcast. Mm-hmm. Are there places where you are visioning to, to go or to see it expand in the, you know, I mean, that could be big picture, obviously Emmy status, you know, things like that. <laughs> But could also be just in, you know, what feels like next steps or even just sort of a natural evolution of uh, or integration of, of what you're creating here. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So 
the podcast has been a really beautiful way. Um, the My Spiritual Friends podcast has been a really beautiful way to um, ground the intention, you know, behind Worthy Well, or the mission, I should say, behind Worthy Well, which is to um, normalize our spiritual experiences um, in the physical realm and in the process, help us all become more conscious participants in that journey. And um, this is something that first never planned to start a podcast. It's something that just came through as a download very clearly one night during meditation back in mid-January. And I ran with it. Uh, The name of the podcast came through, the concept came through, the kinds of guests came through all very clearly. Those are my favorite downloads (laughs) because they're just so clear Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and actionable. So I ran with it. You know, I, I hadn't planned to start a podcast and it's something that I received, you know, grateful that I received it in that way because it wasn't about the podcast. And I, I get this sense from you, you know, with your, with your, um, your podcast as well. It wasn't so much about the podcast. It was the intention of the podcast and the, um, just divine calling towards the podcast. And so I learned everything I could about starting a podcast. And um, three months later, I was hosting a um, live taping at one of, with one of my favorite brands back in DC um, of the first episode. And just the way everything fell into place, it was just confirmation, you know, that of what happens when you answer the call. So to answer your question, another call. So the reason I, prior to seeing myself receive an Emmy (laughs) and, you know, my visions, I I did get the call to um, tell both some of my personal story and the story of others through film and television. And this, I first got this call back in, um, I want to say November of last year. And uh, I was like, okay, way to up the ante, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But what I love about both the call of the podcast and this call is that they actually, you know, tie back kind of, you know, really beautifully to what I've done in my career for years, um, which is tell stories, tell other people's stories. And you know, the reason it's so beautiful is because I see the work that I do now as one of the most important issues in our, of our time, helping people to be more conscious participants in this spiritual journey. And um, how it ties back to my previous work is I um, was a part of a firm, a, a PR firm, a collective of, you know, folks who are, are really passionate about you know, tackling, you know, some really pressing social issues. And one of the ways, you know, some of my colleagues did that was through film and television. And so studios would come to the firm to help them, you know, to make sure that the actors were talking about the issue in the right way or to help frame, you know, how a story was being told around a certain, you know, issue. And what it did was reminded me, you know, of how important it is to shift culture, not just, and I don't want to use the word just, uh, but to not only, you know, tackle issues in this very like tactical way, but to zoom out and think about like what people are consuming, what people are seeing every day, you know, where people are getting their entertainment, um, the things that they are taking in all the time. And so when you think about, you know, documentaries about, you know, criminal justice reform or the way um, marriage equality, you know, was so beautifully timed around, uh, you know, so many images of, you know, love being shown and its expansiveness with, you know, so many couples on TV and, and film. It just reminded me that why can't the same thing happen with, you know, expanding consciousness around spirituality, you know? And so coming out of, you know, the deep state of consciousness and receiving the vision, 
you know, my brain started to, you know, churn and, and I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. You know, like if you're looking to shift culture, like meet people where they are, um, shift culture through, um, the things people are consuming on a daily basis, um, you know, change the way we are, um, telling stories and, you know, intentionally, you know, infuse, um, the expansiveness of spirituality into these modalities, you know? And so it kind of made sense, you know, I started connecting the dots and I was like, oh yeah, I can do that, you know? And so I'm actually working on, you know, one of two of my first, um, pitches for, um, for TV series that serve that purpose. And so deep trust, <laughs> mm-hmm. deep surrender, answering the call. And yeah, this has come up for me a number of times over the past year. And so it's, it's exciting to finally start to bring it, you know, into the physical. I love it. And it's so important. I love that you are able to be a bridge for the spiritual realm and the expansion of consciousness into these areas that have seemingly been uh, devoid of that kind of content and have played on different and often kinds of outdated or safe uh, themes of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And to really, yeah, bring these parts of you and, and seeing that everything that came before this was serving you and showing up now to to be a part of what you're here to give is is so beautiful and so exciting and i'm certainly excited to to watch that content so um as we near the end of our time here today is there is there anything else you'd like to share shelby about what you've got going on or or just anything at all you'd like to say um in regard to your mission and and uh what you're here to do. Yeah. No, thanks for creating the space for that. Um, well, first I'll say definitely check out the podcast. You know, it's been such a beautiful labor of love. Um, much of it was actually produced in the midst of a cross country move, though I don't think you can hear it in the, (laughs) in the actual (laughs) podcast itself, but, but yeah, it's been a labor of love. Um, just wrapping the first season now. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're uh, 16 to 17, just beautiful conversations to, to really help people expand and, and give you permission to um, lean into what spirituality looks like for you today, you know, in 2022. Um, and the other thing I'll share is, you know, anyone out there who is, feeling nudged to um, chart their own 